Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome to Training Unleashed, the show that will help you design and deliver training that's off the chain and will make a difference. Now, here's your host, Evan Hackle. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another exciting edition of Training Unleashed. We have a great guest name. His name is Steve Lashansky. I've had the pleasure of knowing Steve now for three or four years. And, and honestly, I look up to him as a mentor, uh, particularly when I was working on my first book. His, his first book came out just before my first book. Uh, so he is an author. He is an executive coach. He is a consultant and he's a professional speaker, and he specializes in high-performing teams. And so I, I want to start off, Steve, and just ask you what I think is a simple, a simple question, is why do companies want to bring in coaches? Why does it matter to them? Uh, you know, why do they, you know, why can't they just figure it all out themselves? Well, that would be wonderful if we could do that. But, you know, again, I go back to the Einstein quote, where, and Einstein would know, he said, great genius often comes with great limitations. And my experience is the smartest, the best, the most successful are always challenging themselves to get better. And you bring a certain set of tools. I created something I call the non-financial balance sheet because you look at anybody, even the highest performers, there's assets, there's capabilities, there's resources on the plus side, there's limitations, there's blindnesses, there's obstacles on the negative side. Let's really have a clear assessment because as I always say, if you got a billion dollars in liabilities, it's not really a problem if you have 3 billion in assets. If you got $100 in liabilities and no assets, you're in deep trouble. So let's get really clear and focused and understand each other. What are our assets? What are our liabilities as individuals, as a team, when I work with leaders? Let's leverage the assets. Let's limit and mitigate the liabilities, and we can zoom beyond what most people are used to experiencing. Well, I, I love that. And I want to just start out here and just give people a frame of reference. I am a huge believer in executive coaching, and I work for a high-performing company. I was a fifth employee, and we in 20 years grew up to $10 billion. And one of the keys is we embrace executive coaching and, and not as, oh, you need help, but everyone gets to grow. And everyone in the senior team, the C, we're two CEOs, both CEOs, myself, other members, we all had coaches bring in new hires. We, we bring coaches because it helped us all grow and work together and take the performance of the company to the next level. So I'm just putting that out there. I'm a fan. 
I think most people don't really get it. I think most people think of it as remediation. Well, I think that's the history, Evan. In the old days, the people who got coaching were the people in trouble. And I think, you know, there's two kinds of coaching as I've been teaching for 29 years now. One is remediation. That's the, you got a good performer, but he's a pain in the butt. How do we save him before we have to fire him? I only do the other kind of coaching, which is what I call developmental coaching. How do we take our best, most talented, highest potential, highest achieving people and help them even do better? That's your best application. I've always said to every corporation, invest in your best is your greatest return on investment. And again, my axiom from working with talented people over the last three decades is it's always the best who are most committed to being better. So it's not a surprise that you had an extraordinary high growth, high performing organization that invested in development, which is the smartest thing you can do. Continue to develop your talent is the single thing that differentiates the best of the best from the average. You know, it's interesting as you say this, and we're both from New England, and I remember Larry Bird, and, you know, here's the guy that always, you know, at the time, arguably the best in the NBA, and, you know, you could talk about Magic Johnson, uh, but Larry was a little before Magic, but, you know, he was always at practice early, and, you know, I, I remember an interview of him at the end after they'd won the championship, and they go, you know, so Larry, what are you going to do on your vacation? Larry goes, shoot, shoot baskets. Um, Evan, can I tell my favorite story on mastery, which is that same story I think you're referencing with Larry Bird. Yeah, the 85-86 Celtics, which is one of the greatest basketball teams of all time, Bill Walton was the sixth man. Five out of six of those guys are in the Hall of Fame. And at the end of the series where the Celtics blew out their competition, I'll never forget this moment in time. Reporters talking to Larry says, Larry, you've won everything. You're the MVP of the championship. You're the MVP of the year. You just won the championship. What are you going to do now? And I'm thinking, if it was me, given where I was at that point in 1986, I would have said, I'm going home to Indiana to drink beer. He goes, I'm going home to Indiana to practice. I've got a lot of things to work on. And I'll never forget that moment. That's mastery. That's excellence personified. That's what the best of the best are always thinking. You're the best of the best. You can always get better. I, I I do suspect I simplified your the story you told because I'm pretty sure it was the same interview. Um, but no, it, it's true. And, and that's, you know, I'll compliment the listeners to our podcast. The listeners of our podcast are always are here listening, striving to get better at what they do. That's why they listen to the podcast. You know, they could be listening to another podcast from a comedian or you know, and, and, and I'm not, there's nothing against that. I, I listen to entertainment all the time. Uh, but, you know, really great professionals are, are growing. They're, they're lifelong learners, which is what yes. this show is about. Absolutely with you on that one, Evan. Um, so one of the things that I, I love to talk a little bit about, because I think there's confusion, is what's the difference, and you do both, What's the difference between being a coach and a consultant? Well, I think let's start with consulting because that's so well established. The consultant brings the experience, the wisdom, the knowledge, and often the answers to what's missing from their consulting clients. You're brought in for the expertise that you have. A coach's expertise is a little different. It's about bringing forth the self-awareness, 
the understanding, the capabilities that somebody may not have been developing and to be aware of what your capabilities are and where you need some help. So I think a coach brings more self-awareness and engagement from their client. A consultant brings the answers, the expertise, the information that they may totally be lacking by that person or that organization. But you know, I always say, Evan, you know, I talk about what I do. When somebody says, what do you do? I say, I help accelerate and elevate the performance and results of my clients. And they go, wait a second, I thought you were a coach or I thought you were a speaker or consultant. I said, let's not confuse what I do with the tools that I do them with. So you and I both use our tools of coaching, consulting, training in order to produce the results. But I think both of us understand what we're there for. It's not to be a consultant or a trainer or a coach. It's to deliver the ultimate results that our clients are capable of achieving. So I'm sure most of our listeners do not know this, but you are literally one of the best coaches in the world, uh, Hall of Fame coach, Hall of Fame executive coach. And you've been in coaching, you know, for, uh, and, I, and I think we've talked about this before, before people actually thought of coaching as a career. Right. Um, and what are the differences that you've seen? How has coaching evolved? What is, what is coaching today like versus coaching 25, 30 years ago? Well, I think two things have really changed. Number one is that there's more of an emphasis by the smartest and the best people, leaders, and organizations on developmental coaching, where you really, you know, invest in your best is the mantra I've always tried to teach my clients. You get a, you know, I could, so if I could work with you as a talent, the likelihood is I would get three times the result with a third of the effort as I would with somebody who really needs deeply remediation type of coaching, who I get one third the result with three times the effort. You tell me what's good business decision-making. I would go for invest in your best where you're gonna get massive results quickly. So I think you're seeing more of an investment in developmental results. The other aspect is part of what's polluting the profession, which is the barrier to entry is virtually non-existent. You call yourself a coach doesn't take anything other than a business card or putting it on your website. So the ability to differentiate what a great coach is all about, what they do and who they are is becoming more difficult when you've got tens of thousands of coachings now. When I started, uh, as we understand it from a large group of really top executive coaches around the world, I might've been one of the first to use executive coaching. And the reason I used it 29 years ago when I started this business is nobody knew what it was. And you'd get the question you really wanna have what's executive coaching? Within a few years, people started saying, oh, I know executive coaching. I said, well, you probably don't know what I do. So I stopped using executive coaching as anything other than a tool that I use. So again, easy entry, which means we've got a pretty broad base of non-qualified people and the smartest and the best are using it to really leverage and accelerate their businesses. Those are the two biggest differences yeah. I see. I, I have to say you're totally right. I see so many people that present themselves as coaches and, and, you know, it's not like being a doctor where you have to be, you know, go through testing school, et cetera. And uh, I think really seasoned people like yourself. Um, and and I'll say this, I am an excellent consultant. I am able to provide people with that gap in knowledge that they don't have. Yes. I do that really well. I am a novice coach. And right. and and I'm 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 a not and I do do 
some coaching. My issue with coaching is impatience. I want to give them the answer immediately. <laughs> and, and I'm getting, and I'm working on getting, getting better because I do, I do recognize that coaching is a skill that is needed at times different than the sharing of knowledge. And, and I think for me, one of the biggest things about coaching is coaching is helping people see and recognize things they already have. Yes. Versus consulting, which is providing the gaps in knowledge. And so uh, I'm committed to being a better coach. Kevin, uh, let me take your point a little bit further. So coaching is about producing awareness about what somebody already might have and not be utilizing fully. It's also to produce awareness about what you're missing that you really should hire a good consultant for. There you go. So okay. it's really, it's that awareness. And again, today, from a leadership point of view, self-awareness and emotional intelligence, which is really about awareness of others, are two of the most valuable, high-impact skills that you could have. Coaching is really useful for that. Consulting is incredibly valuable when there's a gap in what's needed in a part of your organization or in terms of how you're operating. So again, I always talk about what's it going to take for you to be more successful, to overcome your limitations and to achieve the results you're aiming for. Hire that, whether that's coaching, consulting, presentation skills, training, hire the right thing for the result that you're looking for, whether it's coaching or consulting. Yeah. And, and, and I look at coaching as about being more effective. Yes. And that you might have the skills, you might have the knowledge, but you might not have the ability to effectuate that within an organization the way you would like without great coaching. I know that's what coaching did for me. Um, let's that's a brilliant insight. Can I, can I extrapolate on that? Because please. what you often find, you've got really talented leaders who are great strategists, but they're not communicating well. And the communication, the coaching may be about how do you communicate your message, which is a brilliant message, better? How do you get it to propagate through the organization? Or it could be that they're a great communicator, but they don't have the strategic insights that would move their organization. So how do we start to get those on board? Who do we tap for that? So again, you know, coaching is really useful for building that, what I call the non-financial balance sheet. Let's understand your assets and capabilities and resources. Let's understand your limitations, liabilities. And by understanding that, you know what you need in order to produce the impact and the results. Need to improve your business results? Tortal's Rapid Curriculum Design Workshop might be just what you need. We partner with your business experts to identify knowledge gaps, determine training needs, and design a curriculum to help you achieve your business goals. We engage directly with the employees who have the most information to provide. The outcome of our Rapid Curriculum Design Workshop? A detailed blueprint with curriculum goals and strategies on how to implement the curriculum. So this is a great transition to the question, how do you begin when you work with a client for the first time? That's a perfect question because where you start from is a predisposition for where you can end up. And I've got a very structured opening. It's four questions I ask everybody before we ever start working together on a paid basis. Question number one, are your most important results in the next six and 18 months? Because that's really our ultimate target that we need to be committed to. Question number two, what are your greatest talents, capabilities, 
resources that will help you achieve those results. You can guess what number three is. What are your biggest challenges, obstacles, liabilities that could inhibit your ability to achieve those results? And then there's the number four, the X factor question. What else do I need to know to help you be as successful as possible? And that's the foundation of building a meaningful engagement. Those four questions and the discourse about those questions to refine them to make sure that we're really targeting the right outcomes, to make sure that we've really got awareness about our capabilities and, and assets, to make sure that we're really tuned to and honest about our limitations. But those four questions will launch an engagement really, really well. And just out of curiosity, how often do people actually know the answers to those questions? Uh, not very often. If you're really attuned, um, the interesting thing about those questions is they really make people think. It's a 10 to 15 minute exercise done well. But a lot of people say, I've never thought about one or two or three of those questions, which is sobering because I'm usually working with a C-suite and those are senior leaders who should have those, you know, ready to hand. So, you know, again, it's provoking them to think deeper, which is already one of the ways to create value in demonstrating what's possible in working with you or me. You know, think about something they haven't thought about, create a framework for engagement that they haven't thought about and offer them a new way of engaging, thinking, looking at situations. It's one of the best ways to show that you're gonna be a valuable partner in their success. I wanna take a moment here for the audience, a lot of people which are involved in training, that those four questions are really good questions to think about what your initiative should be in terms of what you're trying to accomplish in training. In training, you are a macro contributor, right? You're making massive difference in the whole organization. Where coaching, you're a micro contributor. That doesn't mean it can't have a macro impact, right. especially if you're coaching high level people. But you're, you're coaching, coaching is a one-on-one -on -one experience where training is, is a one-to-many experience. But I think those four questions really apply to people in the training world. Evan, you know, it's fascinating when I'm coaching teams, which often happens that I'm talking to the C-suite, the whole team, the executive leadership team, and you start to see the differences in those questions, especially about outcomes and especially about capabilities or limitations from an organizational point of view, that tells you a lot. I always say, if you wanna know how strategically aligned your senior leadership is, and if they're not strategically aligned, you can only guess what the rest of your organization is. I have three questions I ask them, five minutes each with each of your top five people. I'll tell you in under 30 minutes how strategically aligned. Here's the three questions. What's your vision for the organization? What's the organization's mission? What are the top three strategic objectives of the organization this year? If you don't get the same answer from your top five senior executives, you are not strategically aligned. You know how often I've got the same answer from five senior executives to those three questions? over 20 plus years of doing this? Three? Zero would be the correct answer. <laughs> We're talking some high performing teams. This is the power of bringing good people together in the right focus around what's most important. That's the power of being everybody on the same page. So when I consult, I do a very similar exercise. I have two questions. So what I do, you know, you're looking at the senior people so I, I consult with a mix of people. I consult with the senior team. I consult with you know, mid-management. 
the data, the day-to-day workers. And when I'm working in franchising, I'm consulting with franchisees, et cetera. And I, I ask the first question is in your own words, what is the vision of the company? Which is your first question. You don't say maybe in your own words. And the second question I always ask is how is it, how do you in your role contribute to making that happen? Great questions. And what's interesting is, and I would say, I have found a couple companies and I maybe make it easier because I say in your own words, so I might be a little bit more forgiving on the vision question. I've only found a few companies that are even remotely close. But when I ask people the question of how do you contribute to make that vision happen? It's like crickets. They have never thought about that. And so when I was actively running a business, what I did in my review form with an employee in the review form of the employee, you know, the annual review, which really now should be the quarterly review. My first, my first question always is in your own words, what is the vision of the company? And my second question is how have you, how have you contributed in making that happen this year? And always get, and I always give the review form to people at the beginning, not at the end, because I always thought I was crazy. Oh, you've worked with us for a whole year. Now I'm going to review you on all these things. You don't even know what they are. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's like. That makes really? no sense. Right. No sense. I, so I always pass out the review form on the first day of work. Oh, that's fantastic. And again, yeah. having those really foundational questions around which you can organize both their attention and their focus and their development is just absolutely invaluable, Evan, as we both know here. Yeah. Well, you know, you and I know each other well. We do things differently like everyone does. Uh, so it's always fun when I talk to somebody that, you know, we, 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 we think so. Think so commonality, you know, it's like any good relationship, whether you're talking a marriage, a business partnership or anything else, you got to know what you're there together for. And when we go in, we know our job is to produce better results faster. And again, yeah. our tools may be a little bit different. Our experiences certainly are but we have an understanding about what's our focus when we walk into a client. And I think so many people don't have that. I'm a coach. Let me go in there and coach. I always ask for what? I'm a consultant. What are you consulting for? Well, I consult on strategic planning in order to produce what? You know, don't mix yeah. up your means and your ends. Uh, that's a, a really good, a really good insight. Um, I know you have an exercise that you oh, utilize yeah. <laughs> and I, I know our audience, especially because they're in training, want right. to hear it because they're going to want to steal it from you. <laughs> well, listen, I'm happy to share it, Evan. You know, the questions I always say, what are the most important questions? And the two most important questions are what is most important, whether you're talking from a CEO's point of view, a, a frontline manager's point of view or a customer service person, what's most important? But the real critical question is, why are those the best choices? So what I always do with a lot of my leadership teams, because they need to really get the visceral experience of this. So follow along with me, everybody who's listening. So raise your hand as high as you can. Now raise it higher. Now what's the issue with the first request? Even if people are willing to actually conform to your request, even if they're willing to give you the benefit of the doubt and follow along, 
Nobody gives you 100% engagement until they know why you're asking to do something. So this is just that visceral experience. Raise your hand as high as you can. Everybody raises their hand pretty high, but not as high as they can. And then you ask them to raise it higher and go, what's the problem with the first one? The problem is until people know why you're asking them to do something, you'll never get 100% engagement. And engagement yeah. today is one of the key issues of every organization and certainly every leader and leadership team. And, and I, I love that example because first off, there are many ways people can utilize that example who are, who are, who are in training. Uh, but whenever you can take a concept and make it physical and visual, it's just that much more impactful. The visceral experience is undeniable. Conceptual ideas, you can always argue with. Yeah. So maybe, you know, this has been a great conversation and we're going to come to an end at a certain point, but maybe my next question I think might be a fun one. Can you take everything you've shared and put it into a case study? No need to mention the name of the company. That, that's, that's not really important. And, you know, this is, you know, this is when I arrived, you know, this was what I was asked. This is what I found. This is what we did. This was the result, something maybe not exactly in that format, but sure. No, I, I actually, one of my first fortune 500 clients was my first, not one of the first, it was the first. When I walked in, they had a, what we call the perfect storm. They were, they used to be, they were an IT organization. They were being spun off as an independent business unit, which means I didn't own a portion of your budget. Cause I used to walk in and say, Evan, I see you got $2.6 million to spend this year. Let me tell you what I'm gonna do with it. And with the implication being, you don't know enough to make a decision. I'm the IT expert. Number two is they couldn't survive on their internal transfer price. Number three, 48% of their clients were complaining their prices, which they couldn't survive on were too high. And they had one year to fix this. It's a cultural issue. These were brilliant technologists who had no idea how to treat a client. So over the next year of working with them and teaching them the skills of becoming an indispensable partner, not an IT expert, that's a world of difference. They were able to raise their prices by 50%, 5-0, reduce their complaints about prices to 12% of their clients, 75% reduction in complaining. And they were able to, in the second year of working there, it's the only time we've ever heard this in a Fortune 500, the second year of working with them after they raised the prices and managed to build their business, change their culture, they won the enterprise award for the most outstanding customer satisfaction. That's a culture change. We changed what they focused on. I'm no longer an IT expert. I am your best partner in delivering results. Of course, I'm going to deliver it with my IT expertise, but let's remember what I'm really here for, your results, not my expertise. Number two is we're going to figure out how to make this a conversation about how you can succeed faster and better. Therefore, price becomes fairly irrelevant because if you don't know the value of what you're getting, any price is too high. But if you can see the value of accelerating your business success, then the value is really comparable to your business success and acceleration. So, and again, the culture change came because they understood what was most important. And most importantly, they understood why we needed to go through that change. Brilliant leadership. It was an amazing experience to me. I always call those leaders that I worked with my favorite people, and they wonder why I complained to them. And I complained to them because they were so good 
and not, not everybody I've run into since then is that good. <laughs> so they spoiled me. But That's, there's a there's a case study of what it takes to really, you know, realize your best as a leader and transform your organization by understanding what cultural impact you need to create, especially in terms of your client relationships. So um I'm I'm gonna share, but much more briefly, because this is about you, not me, but um I got brought in by the CEO of a $125 billion company. Uh, and I brought in as a consultant to help them evaluate and make strategic decisions about how to, how to take part of their business to the next level. I was immediately assigned to one of his top lieutenants who immediately assigned me to one of his top lieutenants who immediately told me, here is the work McKenzie did. We paid them over a million dollars. We didn't use any of it. Here's the work Bain did. We paid him over a million dollars. We didn't use any of it. And I just want to assure you, we're not going to use any of your work either. <laughs> and that was that was the opening, the opening to the meeting. But wow. but when I got done, this person turned to me and said, We're using everything you everything you put together because we put it together because my whole brand is engagement it's Absolutely. all about involving people so most consultants come in with the idea that we're smarter than you we ask you all these big questions and we come back with a big reveal and i actually in the senior management meeting presenting to that ceo had the team not me do most of the presenting and the CEO, the CEO said that he had never worked with a consultant that was more effective than he had worked with me. Evan, that's such an invaluable story for people to really understand. You know, expertise that comes from consulting is often looked upon as arrogant, you don't know anything type of input. The difference in what you just talked about is the best consultants engage their people so that it's a jointly owned understanding. When I talk about strategic alignment, it means that we all are aligned around our outcome. So your story is absolutely indicative of what best practice would be, is that we own this. And of course, there's great quotes from both Chinese leaders, the Roman leaders. When the best leaders are done, the people say we did it ourselves. Yeah, exactly. that's exactly right. Uh, ex exactly right. And the best ideas, I'm a facilitator of ideas. And I think coaches are facilitators. I just, I do it in the frame, uh, frame of, of consulting. Um, and when you can help waken somebody else up to the epiphany, may not be your epiphany, may be better. And that's, that's to me always the kernel, what I call the kernel of truth is- I call it the golden nugget, but we're both on the same page. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and you know, if you go in with the idea that somebody else may have an idea that is better than yours and you're really open to receiving it, uh, it, makes, it makes a difference. And, Let me offer you a practice that I always use. It's, you know, you and I have such parallels here. But one of the things I always say to leaders is leaders want as much input as possible, but only two kinds, improvements and solutions. I'm not interested in your opinion, but I'm always interested in your solution that we could use to improve the situation. 
and improvements to how we're doing things. And every leader who's open to improvements and solutions is building a culture where people are oriented towards improvements and solutions. And it loses its sense of arrogance, top-down kind of approach. And it does exactly what you were talking about doing as a successful consultant, which is engaging people to produce the best possible result without regard for where it comes from. Yeah. Well, this is great. You and I could talk for a long time, as we have. Um, why don't you please let our, our listeners and our viewers, uh, and, and by the way, I deeply appreciate my friends at C-Suite TV and C-Suite Radio, um, but how, you know, who are the right clients for you? Tell us a little bit about your company, who you like to work with, who, it, it, which I assume are the people you could have the greatest impact with. Absolutely. Um, but a little bit about your company and, and you've shared very generously, which is something I always appreciate with my guests, because if you listen to this podcast and you get three or four massive nuggets, uh, there's something wrong because you, you have been very generous. Um, but there are people listening that might think you, you could help them. I love to have you share, you know, about your company and, and who are your ideal clients. Well, our specialty is really improving the performance and results of leaders and executive teams. So I spend most of my time with C-suite leaders, CEOs, CIOs, and C-suite teams. And again, I run the gamut from the Fortune 100 to fast growth entrepreneurial firms. I tend to work with mid to large size companies because you need to have a team that's working together. But a lot of fast growth companies need to be building cultures and making the right and proper decisions before they screw themselves up and then call me in to fix stuff. So again, senior leaders who are looking to improve their performance, their results, the value they deliver to clients are really the ideal scenario for me, Evan. We spend a lot of time going into a client and saying, what's the right approach to help you improve the results? You know, we start with our four questions. So we're always talking, what results do you want to achieve better and faster? And that's the basis for our work with all our C-suite executives and our C-suite teams. So we don't really have an industry specific orientation, although we spend a lot of time in financial services, healthcare and pharmaceutical and technology, but it's really about leadership. It's about communication, about influence. It's about client relationship and really being able to align, strategically align an entire organization to produce better results faster. Well, that is great. And uh, certainly uh, I would recommend reaching out to Steve to learn more if you're interested. Steve also has an offer and, and a new book coming out. And I know they're tied together. So uh, why don't you talk about both, please? Well, the new book is called Leadership Starts Here. And I have always asked leaders, where do you think leadership starts? And often I get that pause and silence. So this is a book about decisions, which is where I believe leadership starts and the decision-making process, which is what drives your decisions. And my offer is anybody who'd like a copy of the first section of the book, I'd be happy to share that with them. No charge, be my pleasure. Just, uh, you can go to Optima, actually it's leadershipstartsherebook.com. Leadershipstartsherebook.com. So if you go to leadershipstartsherebook.com, you can just put a little, put your name in there. We're happy to send you the first section. I think it'll be illuminating. And if you want more, we can always have more. You can go right to leadershipstartsherebook.com to reach me. Happy to share any insights. Happy to answer questions for any of your audience, Evan. 
Well, you're a very generous person. I know that. And I know you're sincere in that offer. Um, Steve, as you know, we always end this show. If you had one tip to share, and it can be, it doesn't even have to be about what we talked about, but you know, the, you know, to the audience, what would that one tip be? If there's one thing everybody needs to be focused on all the time, it's what is most important here now. So if you always want to refocus, whether you're having trouble or you're just trying to really figure out how to accelerate where you are, the question is, what is most important here is always what's most important to be aware of. Great tip. Very good insight. I hope people take a moment right now and think about that question for themselves. Um, I want to thank Steve. You've been a great guest. I want to thank my friends at the C-Suite TV and radio for being great sponsors and supporters of this show. And of course, I want to thank the audience uh, because without you, we wouldn't have a show. And Steve, again, thank you very much. Appreciate you being on the show. Training Unleashed is brought to you by Total Training, specializing in e-learning and interactive online training solutions for corporate, government, nonprofit, and franchise organizations. Total makes effective training easier. Just go to Tortal.net to gain access to real-world tools that can make a difference. That's Tortal.net, T-O-R-T-A-L, Tortal.net. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. <laughs> <laughs>